excited today to continue this series. Just also, just there's a lot of great churches in our community that you could be worshiping at today. Just thanks for joining us today. Yeah. There's a lot of great pastors. There's a lot of great people who love Jesus. We're blessed to live in this community with such great ministers and churches, and grateful that you showed up at Grace Community today. Uh, I wouldn't want to stand here without anybody out there. It'd be kind of weird. Uh, so I'm glad you're you're here today. I'm excited about this message in this whole series as we look at the seven miracles that Jesus performed that were the sign markers when he began his ministry to say, there's Jesus. He's the king of kings. He's deity. Like, you go to him. He's the one that will save the world of their sins. And as we walk through these, I hope your faith begins to to overflow your vessel. And I hope that you're brimming over and thinking, if Jesus can do that, then certainly he can do this for me. In fact, we believe that here at Grace, and each year we set goals in place. And if you walk out in our West Fourier, you'll see on the wall out there, there are our goals for this year. And goal number 26 actually says this, and I'll read it to you. Uh, it says, be a firsthand witness to five unplanned miracles of God, where people walk away and say, only God could do that. We believe that, that God is able to, and we, we long to see him do that. And our hope is that when that takes place, that all the glory goes to Jesus, that we don't become more enamored with what has happened than we do with the God who did it, so that he gets glory. Our, our, our desire is to raise the level of glory for Jesus this year. There are times in our lives when we have to believe this truth, that Jesus can make the impossible possible. It's impossible to read God's word from, from cover to cover. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. It's impossible to read it without walking away or asking this question that, or, or making a, a conclusion that God can do some things that we can't do on our own. And if we go to him, he can change our situations. He can do what we can't do. He can do the impossible. Then there's those times in our lives when we're inspired by people who believe that where people live above their circumstances, where people live in such a way that you look at them and you say, only God could allow that person to believe that way and live that way. There's a man that, that many of us have watched his YouTube videos. I've actually have witnessed it in, him in person, seen him in person, heard him, heard him speak, and he does that. He believes that God can do the impossible. Take a look at Nick's story. Life is life. Life is, is an interesting journey of ups and downs. But how that journey ends is up to you today. You see, when you fall down and you feel like giving up, when times get tough, it's not the end. The question is, are you going to finish strong? The definition of a disability is something that will hinder you from being able to do something. I think though the greatest disability is not having no arms and no legs. The greatest disability is your mind, the choices that you make. The question is, are you going to make the right choices? Are you going to make the choice to have your life in its right perspective? Are you going to make the choice to get up instead of give up? Are you going to make the choice to dream big? There is no greater disability that we have in our life than to make the decision to give up. 
Because once you give up, then there is no hope. But until you give up, there is that hope. My passion is to encourage people, to inspire people to be all that they can be. I found my purpose, I found my strength, and I want you to find yours. Don't be afraid of failing. Every time you fall down, every time you fail, you learn something new. You're ready for the next one. You've learned how not to do something. Well, then learn from it and move on. Leave what's behind and press forward. You can only win if you don't give up. Go for it. Don't let anything hold you back. If nothing's holding me back, what's holding you back? No goal is too big. No dream is too far-fetched. It's as big as you can dream it. There are times in life where you don't see the purpose or the good in your situation. But just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not coming. Who goes to the train station, looks down the railway and says, Ah, the train's not here, I'm leaving. You will wait for the train. Why? Because the schedule says that the train is coming. So just because you can't see the hope in your situation, it doesn't mean that it's not there. You see, many people think that I have only one foot just because you can't see the other one. I've gone from a life without limbs into a life without limits. What about you? I know a lot, I've read a lot about Nick's story and witnessed it and seen him in person. And, but there's one piece of, many pieces I would say of his life that impact me. He's married now and has two children, loves his kids. But there's also something about Nick that I love. He never gives up in his belief in God. In fact, he keeps a pair of shoes in his closet, in his home. And someone asked him one time why he does that. And this was his response. I keep a pair of shoes in my closet because I believe in miracles. You know, someone with that kind of faith, speaking to us and watching what he does with his life, and then we look at this story today, should inspire us to believe that with all things that we walk through, no matter how difficult it might seem, no matter how huge it might appear, and even if we get a report that it isn't possible, that with Jesus, he can make the impossible possible. Grab your Bibles, and I'm going to show you a story of how Jesus did that. And turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, you need a Bible, hold your hand in the air, and ushers will put a Bible in your hand. If you don't own a Bible, take this Bible home. It's a gift from Grace Community Church. But turn to John chapter 5, and we're going to read together this passage today, verses 1 through 15. And let's just see how Jesus can make the impossible possible. Stand with me, and we'll read it out loud together. John chapter 5. Verses 1 through 15. Let's read this together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? 
Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. You may have a seat. As we walk through this series of messages, I still believe in miracles, and as we process the truths and we take them in and we apply them to our lives, there's many things that we can learn from the accounts. And one of the things we learn in this account today is this, far too often we make too many false assumptions about what is and what isn't possible. Now think about that statement for a while. How often do you make a conclusion about what is possible and what isn't possible? How many times are those assumptions false because of a belief system that that is broken, because of a belief system that is faulty? And so as we look at this account and we're beginning to see that there are many that are at this pool, including this invalid, who for far too long in his life made a false assumption about what would bring healing for him. Before we jump into that, let's just look have an overview because there's some really important things to bring to the surface before we unpack this miracle that we see in front of us. The first thing to bring to mind is this. There are a great number of disabled people there. It says that there are many there where the blind, the disabled, the invalids, the paralyzed would come. And so we we know that he wasn't the only man by this pool waiting to be healed. As we best know from this this text and in the history of this pool, many come there. Another thing that we can observe from this that's important is this. He didn't, Jesus didn't wave his hand all over all of them. He selected one that day as the one he would heal. Jesus didn't heal all, everyone that was there, but we know he chose to heal this man. And only one, as best as we know, walks away healed that day. Not everyone. It's important to know that. Jesus chose that day to select one amongst the many to be healed. Another thing we need to bring to light is this. It doesn't appear that this man was doing anything differently up to this point than the other people that were gathered there. We don't get any... We don't get any conclusion that he was doing anything other than wanting to sit by this pool, thinking that somehow when the waters were stirred, and we're not certain, maybe it was an underground spring, that somehow if you were the first one in, if you crawled in or someone put you in, then mysteriously or superstitiously, you would be healed. He wasn't doing anything different. He came in, sat down like he probably had for many, many, many years. Another thing we can learn from this story is this. Nothing is different about this day in theory. Yet when Jesus shows up, the impossible became possible for this man. 
When Jesus walks into the room, when Jesus shows up, all of a sudden your odds, your percentages, as we understand those, because Jesus can do the impossible, they change for us. Another thing we can conclude, every single one of them had false assumptions about how they could be healed, and we aren't quite sure why they believe this. For some reason, these individuals believed in a superstitious way that the water brought the healing. That somehow, because it was stirred, whether they believed by angels, whether it was a spring underneath, but someone told them that, hey, keep your eye on the water. And if you touch that water, if you pour holy water on you, somehow the healing will come. When we know that the healing doesn't take place in the water, but through Jesus Christ. And so they were believing in a superstition would be the way to their healing. Another thing we can bring to surface regarding this account. Jesus asked what seems like a really dumb question. Do you want to get well? I mean, it seems really dumb. He's asking this guy who's by this pool with many other men and women sitting by this pool. And the reason we would believe they're there is because they want to get into the water first and find healing. But Jesus can see through them. They're just going through the motion that had been part of his day. Get someone to drop him off, have his blue parking permit, sit down and not really think that healing could take place. So Jesus asked him, do you really want to be healed and get well? The last thing that we can bring to surface before we unpack this story is this. One action can reverse 38 years of history for someone. For 38 years, as best as we know, this man wasn't able to walk. Yet one word from Jesus Christ, one snap of his finger, one nod of his head, one spoken command changed the direction of this man's life like never before. Let's begin by breaking this down and and, and asking the question, what were the false assumptions that were being made? What are false assumptions that you and I could make that could limit or thwart the healing, the breakthrough. Watch the obstacle crumble. See us overcome a mountain that's in front of us. What are false assumptions? How do we make those? Do we have them? Are we practicing what these people did for the same thing over and over, thinking the healing's coming in the water? It was a false assumption that they were making. Let me just say this about this invalid. This invalid's greatest handicap wasn't physical. It was a a mental decision that he had made. You see, you cannot control your circumstances, but you can live with a holy confidence. He had a false assumption. They believed they had to be the first ones in the pool when the water was stirred. And we make the same mistake too. Here's what I know what they were doing. They believed in superstition and not in the supernatural. You see, Superstition is just another way for us to say that we believe something outside of God can bring answers and healing. It actually, they were deceived to believe that the water was the healing, and if it was stirred, they could get in. It actually revoked the supernatural because anything less than relying 100% upon the power of God and God alone short circuits the supernatural. 
natural. Now, let me just pull away and talk about superstition for a while, because I think it's important in the context that we're talking about. How many of you live with superstitious patterns and don't even realize? And let me just pull away something. When you do, you know what you're doing? You're believing the lie of Satan. You have allowed him to deceive you to think that if you do this, that if you wear this, this outfit on this day, if you sit in this seat because the last time you watched your kids play and you had this outfit on, you had your hat turned sideways, that somehow they won the game then that way that you'll win it again the same way. That's called superstition. You know what you've done? You invoked the power of the enemy into your life and you revoked the power of the king of kings and the lord of lords superstition plays out. You'll see pitchers run off a baseball diamond. They won't step on the third base foul line because they feel like they, they have to step over so they can have a better inning. That is superstition. You have been deceived by the enemy to believe. Some people even sit in a couch and watch their pro team. They wear the same outfits. They put on the same uniform. They sit and watch their teams and think that somehow, hey, our son and daughter won our team one last time when we did this, so let's eat this food. Let's sit here. Let's turn on this channel. Let's turn the table this way. Listen, that is being deceived by an enemy. You have been duped. Listen, anytime you do that, I challenge you and I want to encourage you. Drop these foolish, superstitious ways. They are the enemy tricking you and you have become a tool of the enemy. Can I get one amen out of that? See, some of you have been deceived. And here we have some people here that are sitting by this water. Superstition. Someone told them that when it's stirred, if you can crawl in there first, if someone can drop you in, then the healing would come. You see, we have an enemy who masquerades himself as an angel of light. So these men and women made a false assumption that wasn't true. It's Jesus or nothing. The devil is tricky. Don't be deceived. Now, let me ask you a few questions first before we... Let's break down some assumptions. Luke one thirty seven in the New Living Translation says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, don't answer out loud. I don't need any amens. Just, I'm gonna, I want you to answer this. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that this situation that you're facing, this, this, this financial endeavor that you're facing, this obstacle, this, this disease, this, this relationship, do you really believe that nothing is impossible with God? Do you really believe or do you want to believe? You see, the second that you want to believe and don't believe, you made a false assumption about our God. That nothing is impossible with him. See, the second you begin to drift just a little bit from believing that God can do anything, you have concluded that you have a false assumption about our God. Please, don't do that. And don't let someone else, some friend, someone else tell you otherwise. Let me ask you this truth. Psalm 77, 14 says this. You are the Lord God who performs miracles. 
you display your powers among the peoples. Do, do, do you believe that? Or do you have selective belief in that? Well, maybe, but not in this case. The second you put any butt clause on that, you have concluded with a false assumption about our God. You see, the moment we make assumptions that are based on logical conclusions and not theological truths, we leave open the possibility to reject the only person who can do the miraculous. I personally think the more we grow in our faith, we make fewer assumptions. We just believe by faith what God's word says. You see, half of faith is learning what we do not know. That's half of it. Like, there's things I don't know, and I'm learning. Praise God, because the sanctification process is a, a continuous. We're continuing to try to be like him. We continually to learn the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's continually teaching. We don't know everything. You might think you do, but we don't. And the other half is unlearning what you already know. That's probably the hardest as we age. The hardest thing to is unlearn habits. It's to unlearn these lies, these superstitions, these, these, these false assumptions that we've made about God in the Bible. Half of learning is unlearning these things that we think we already know. So go back to this story. Look at what happens to this man. Look at verse 5. Verse 4, we'll just look here. One who was there had been an invalid, or verse 5, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get what? What's the word? Well, now let me give you a little background here because this is really important. I, I, I love sometimes when you see these things. 38 years old, by the way, is way past the life expectancy of the day. Now, let me back it up and say it this way. 28 was the life expectancy because a lot of one-year-old and two-year-old babies died because of poor health conditions. And so often during this time, there would be a lot of infants that would die. And so when you had a lot of infants that died at one and two, and you throw that number into the mix of people, if you pull out the infants that died one and two years old, most people, the average life expectancy was 40 years old. This man is 38 years old. Now, why is that significant to us? In, in, in my mind, when I think about it, I love this because we are never too old or too far past our prime for God to heal us. See, that's what we think. Like, well, Lord, I'm at the end of my life. Like, what good can you use me? I got like two years left. So why would you heal me? Or God, I have, I got 10 years left. Yeah, you, you, you'll heal the young because they got the rest of their life to be a testimony. They got the rest of their life to be a bright light. No, God doesn't choose to heal us based upon our age. And we're never past his prime. The reason that healings take place is for us to serve the Lord, but also to bring him glory. Miracles are not meant for people who have many years to live. God can heal a five-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 25, 35, 45, 65, and 95. The length of your ailment doesn't disqualify you from a miracle. Now, I love that about, like, sometimes that gets lost in this. 
Here's a man as best as we know. He's got two good years left in him. And God says, I'm going to use you. You're going to finish strong. And he chooses to bring healing. So we ask him this question. Why do you really want to get well? Because he kept doing the same thing and pulled out his, his parking permit day after day and expected a different result. Jesus was saying that by your actions, it appears that your mat has become your security blanket and your label. See, Jesus could see through them. And he's looking at him. He's saying, you, you really don't want to get well. Basically what he's saying. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm at the water. Then why do your actions, why do you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, inspecting a different result? What's the man's response to this? Look at verse 7. Look what he says. He says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And by the way, this is significant. And it struck me this week when I read this for the first time. And I've read this account many, many times. He didn't know this was Jesus initially. And sometimes that gets lost when we read this because we have read accounts so many times. He didn't know it was Jesus. He refers to him as sir. He knows it's a rabbi, but he doesn't know it's Jesus. And so he says, sir, the reason is because no one helps me out. Blame, 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 blame. It's their fault. It's their fault. How do I know he doesn't know it's Jesus? Look at verse 13. Look what it says. The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. I find that very intriguing. That he was so ready and so willing. And when Jesus initially asked him to pick up your mat and walk, He just listens to this rabbi because he believes that it's possible. And for the first time this week, this is what the Lord showed me for the first time this week and challenged me in this account. That an encouraging, hope-filled word from someone that's a representative of Jesus Christ that says God is able may be the very thing that helps that person believe and find healing. Let me ask you, are you that person? Are you the one who has false assumptions? God could do that, but God is able, but. Or you just take it as it is and say, you know what? I believe the Lord can do that for your marriage. God can do that for your situation, for your business, for your disease. Are you the person who speaks life and hope? Oh, I pray you are. I pray you're never the person who walks in someone and tries to fill them with doubt. Says, hey, let's believe in a superstition. Hey, join me down at the pool. I believe the water is the healing agent and not Jesus Christ. What patterns are in your life that's telling the world that it's something else besides Jesus? And for the first time, it hit me this week. Oh, may we never be the church that has these false assumptions that robs Jesus of glory and someone of their miracle. So here's the problem with some of us when it comes to miracles. We are too quick to explain what we really don't understand. 
when no one can fully comprehend the ways of the Lord. You see, if we assume no, then you will never give God a chance to say yes. And so he's looking at this man, and he asks him, do you really want to get well? Because by his patterns, he said he wanted to be healed, but by his actions, he just kept doing the same thing day after day, and he got really good at it. And he sat by this pool of complaints, believing a lie, instead of trusting in Jesus and stepping out in faith and finding the path that God wanted him to walk on. By the way, most miracles require some kind of sweat equity. Let me explain what I mean by that. Steps of obedience. Like some of us, like, I'm just going to sit here till God heals me. I'm not going to do anything about it. And, and you, you might have this, this, this deliberate, or th- deliberate action that shows, I'm just sitting here, just do it, Jesus. I'm not doing nothing. No, he always requires obedience. God always honors obedience. How do I know that? He even honors it when we stand at the Bema seat. What do we get rewarded for? Obedience. And so there must be a pattern of obedience in your life. There must be these steps. You must be doing something that says, God, I trust you. I'm stepping out in faith. I believe. I put my faith into action. My, my life is, is representing you. Lord, even if you don't, listen, I'm believing and I'm, I'm going in that direction. Or are you just sitting and waiting? Come on, Lord, hurry up. Now there's a pattern of belief. Faith is exercised by an action of obedience. So what does he say to this man? Look what he says. Look what he says in verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I love this moment in the story. He's got a choice to make. Will he continue to believe in the superstitious belief? Like, it doesn't say, like, after this said and say, he doesn't say, well, Jesus, throw me in the water. Doesn't say that. He doesn't say, Jesus, let me do, let me do a, 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 a splash in front of everybody. Can you just toss me up? He has a choice to make. Is it the water? Or does he obediently follow the words of the Lord of God? He has to make a choice. I love this moment. Does he still believe it's the water? Or does he believe by faith? That he can walk because of this encouraging word, this faith-filled word from Jesus Christ. You see, I love this moment because some people say they want something but aren't willing to leave the pool of complaints. Like, I like it here. It's comfortable here, Jesus. I know all these people. We've talked for 38 years. And we talk about how hard it is. And, like, we'll probably never walk. And we'll probably never get in the pool. And how come they got in? Another thing I, I, we got to be careful of, like Jesus said, do you want to be healed? You see, for some, by the pool of complaints, we're not sure whose fault it is, but we know it can't be us. And so he immediately says, someone won't throw me in the water. And yet the victory could be already be won, and all we got to do is get up and walk. There's got to be a step of faith. It's not continue to lay there in your parking spot with your security blanket every single day of your life and say, Lord, help me. No, there's got to be action to our steps and faith and obedience. You see, until you see the miracle, 
and live like you believe it, it'll never happen. That's what I love about Nick. I love the fact that he has a pair of shoes in his closet. Like, that just stinking encourages me. Like, I mean, you can look at him and say, well, he's not going to have, what does he need shoes for? Because he believes. And I'm ready, Jesus. Listen. And I'm ready to put the shoes on and run out of here. Keep in mind, too, don't ever throw this away. That faith doesn't ignore a doctor's diagnosis. It does, however, seek a second opinion from the great physician. Don't discard a doctor. God, God, God uses doctors. God uses medication. God uses prescriptions. But listen to me. If that's all you're relying on, then there's this big piece that God could use in your life called faith that could bring about what you have been wanting to take place for years. God uses doctors to bring healing, but it's not limited to them. You see, I believe this is the moment where where miracles begin. Do we believe Jesus can make the impossible possible? In fact, look at verse 9. So he tells him to get up, Pick up your mat and walk. And look at verse 9. What's the first two words? Just read them. At what? Okay, read it again. Ready? Read. At once. How long? Was it like, well, let me, let me, let me, can you, can you throw me the water? Can I just put my finger in before I leave? No, it says immediately. He believed. It's like, and imagine, something took place between verses 8 and 9 in this man's life that hadn't been brought to life for a long time. He left his false assumptions and took a step of faith. He forgot about 38 years of doing things his way and all the times he didn't get healed. And he picked up his security blanket and his blue handicapped parking permit and he walked. Now stop and consider how hard this must have been. Sometimes we pull away and we, 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 we dehumanize people. This was a man who hadn't walked. Now, think as parents, for those of you who have had children or watch a child take his first walk. Remember that first step? Like you're standing there and they're trying to take, and you know, you watch them coming and, and, and they're moving. And like this man had never walked. It's not like he practiced every day. He watched. This could be a very embarrassing moment for him. Like he's a dude. He could look stupid. And sometimes we need to look stupid for Jesus. But he gets up. You imagine that step, and in the back of his mind, he had to fight all these voices from the enemy that says, what if you don't walk? What if this is some con artist? What, if, what will people say about Jesus if you can't walk? He was willing to risk the reputation of Jesus. Now, hear me out. Jesus' reputation is 100% good. That's a big step. It might mean you'll look stupid believing when no one else believes. It might mean that you carry a set of shoes with you when people say, they're still carrying shoes. Do you see see them? When I was walking through the mall, they were down at finish line buying basketball shoes. What up with those people? We got to look stupid for Jesus. And this guy was, I love this guy's faith picked up his mat, he got up, and he 
walked. And the next words are, he was cured. That's a bold step. He was willing to step out, maybe when others weren't willing to step out. He would be laughed at if he didn't walk. He was, didn't let the voices of the enemy that would, were saying, you'll make Jesus look bad if you don't walk. So play it safe. Just stay by the pool. Your chance will come. When the waters are stirred, listen, put your hat on sideways, wear the same uniform, sit in the same couch, use the same remote. Listen, turn the radio on, turn the volume off on the TV and your team wins. Superstition. You see, always keep this in perspective and not let it keep you from trusting in Jesus today for your miracle. Healing is the exception, not the rule. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a miracle. There's got to be a step of faith involved. But please listen to me. Much like a great baseball player who gets a hit three times out of ten, that should not keep you from believing and asking. Think about that for a second. Great baseball players today, if they bat 300, they go to the plate, and if they hit the ball three times out of ten, they're considered a great hitter. And so if they bank on the times and remind themselves of the times that they didn't get a hit every time they walked to the plate. If their minds weren't selective and they didn't have short memories, then they would live in fear and think, well, I struck out seven times. No, no. In fact, you might be saying, I've asked God six times and here are five times when I prayed and I didn't get healing. I didn't get a breakthrough. So why should I keep asking? Listen, any great baseball player keeps stepping to the plate and he's ready to go yard with the next pitch. And we should with Jesus too. See, great hitters have short memories and so should Christians, selective memories. They remember the times they hit the ball and they keep stepping up to the plate to hit it again. If you want to experience the miraculous, you have to come to terms with the fact that the who, the what, the when, and the how aren't up to you, but just keep asking him to do it again because we must remember his promise is good and it still stands true today that God can do the impossible. You gotta keep swinging you got to keep swinging. you got to keep stepping to the batter's box and swinging and let everyone know. In fact, when you step up next time, you look at that pitcher and you tell him, I'm going yard on you today, boy. you got to have that confidence. Don't let these five times that you prayed, because listen to me, like I said earlier, healing is the exception, not the rule. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a miracle. But this could be the day. You see, even when you keep getting curveballs thrown at you, keep swinging. Even when you haven't made contact seven straight times, keep swinging. Even when everyone else is hitting it out of the park and they seem to be getting their miracles and you can't seem to get a break, keep swinging. Even when it seems like God is another planet away from you, keep swinging. We must believe the promise still stands that he can do it again for you. You see, this envelope was out of referrals. So he had to follow and obey Jesus. 
and it required a huge step of obedience. And what was that? He left the familiar and was venturing out to new territory, and it required him to make a fool of himself. So people might look at you and say, why do you keep going back to her? Because Jesus is telling me to do that. Why do you keep believing that that could happen? Because Jesus' word is good. Don't let the false assumptions of a friend keep you from witnessing the mighty, miraculous work of God in your situation. You see, it's easy getting accustomed to our crutches. And I don't want us to be those kind of Christians. You cannot expect God to do the supernatural if you aren't willing to do the natural, which is a step of obedience. I always want to be the pastor that stands before you and says, I believe the word of God. I believe when God says that he can do the impossible. I believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe the word of God is 100% inspired and errant word of God that men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit wrote this book. This isn't a fable. This is truth. I believe it. That's what I believe. I want you to believe that. I can't. I can't jump inside of your heart. I can't jump inside of your will. I can't jump inside of your faith. All I can do is stand in front of you like Jesus did and say, get up and walk. Believe that he can. I love this story that it came about this week in regards to a miracle. And I want to read it to you to encourage. Because why do I read this to you? Because my Bible and your Bible says this. We overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Here's a testimony. When Ethan was in kindergarten, a standard hearing test revealed that he had profound hearing loss in his right ear. A follow-up visit to the ear, nose, and throat specialist further revealed that his right eardrum had actually ruptured. Then a trip to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia resulted in an even more devastating diagnosis. A disease, a destructive and aggressive growth in his middle ear that would require surgery. On June 10, 2011, Ethan underwent a seven-hour surgery to remove it. That's when doctors discovered that the growth had completely eroded his eardrum, the bones inside the eardrum, the ear canal. It was dangerously close to crossing the brain lining. Despite a half a dozen surgeries in the span of two years, doctors concluded that his condition would require a more radical craniotomy. The thought of doctors doing open skull surgery on their son drove Jason and Amy to their knees. But instead of allowing each surgery to shake their faith, they kept falling on their faces and crying out for mercy. They kept swinging. They kept stepping to the plate. One day, Amy was reading a daily devotional, Jesus Calling, when Ethan walked into her bedroom and asked her what it said on his birthday. Amy flipped ahead to August 20th and read these words. I am the God who heals. I heal broken bodies, broken minds, broken hearts, broken lives, and broken relationships. My very presence has immense healing powers. You cannot live close to me without experiencing some degree of healing. 
Amy started crying the second she read it. She felt like the promise was for her, so she started circling it in prayer. And by faith, Amy said to Ethan, I believe God is telling us that he's going to heal you. She asked Ethan if he thought God would do it. And the eight-year-old Ethan said, a man can only hope. From that moment on, Amy's mantra was, God's got this. Amy and Jason, along with their church family, started circling Ethan in prayer. Then on June 7, 2013, Ethan was rolled into the operating room. During the scheduled four-hour surgery, it was standard operating procedure for a nurse to provide updates to the family every 45 minutes. And Ethan's nurse did just that during pre-op. But then the updates mysteriously stopped. By the sixth hour, Amy and Jason were getting nervous. When the nurse finally emerged from the operating room, she told them that the doctor wasn't giving her any information at that point. It wasn't until seven hours after Ethan was wheeled into surgery that a stupefied surgeon informed the family that there was no physical evidence of the disease. The CT scan prior to the surgery was completely different than the CT scan they had done a few months before. The disease was nowhere to be found, and the parts of the inner ear that had been completely eroded by the disease were completely regenerated. The doctor scratched his head and said, there's no explanation for it, in Amy's words. To say I was in shock would be an understatement. We looked at each other in utter amazement. We prayed for this hard. But we still were surprised when God answered those prayers. And from what all the doctors tell us, this isn't even possible. Skull bone doesn't restore itself. And this disease cannot go away on its own. It's just not physically possible, but it's God possible. So do we believe that? Habakkuk 3.2 says this, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. You see, if you and I have the courage to do something you haven't done in 38 years, you might just experience something you haven't seen in a very, very long time. So watch how this ends. He gets healed, he walks, and look what happens, which is very typical of what we see happen in our world. Verse 10, it says it. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Jacob, when he was wrestling with God in Genesis twenty-eight sixteen. There's a moment there where Jacob realizes what's taking place and many don't. And the text says this, Surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. How many times is that true of us? Like, let's let's let's, let's bring it home right here at Grace Community Church. How many times have you witnessed the most, I think the greatest miracle there is when someone goes from death to life and is born again, saved, as we understand it. How many times have you seen a life transformation, someone repenting, where God works in their life and all of a sudden they come forward and, 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 they're, and, and, and they make a decision to trust after Jesus? And it's, it's, it's a big deal. 
Like many have been praying for this couple, this individual, and this salvation story. And how many people don't even realize that God was there? How many people miss the fact that God was in this place and they weren't aware of it? How many people walk away? Like think about this. These, these Jewish leaders are standing in front of a guy who's in running shoes, a Nike shirt, and he's ready to run. And he has him walk for 30, and his, his logo says, just do it. And they're like, why you got a mat? Why are you carrying that mat? And he's like, dude, don't you realize who I am? They didn't care. They couldn't see the forest because of the trees. They were more concerned about the letter of the law than a miracle that standing in front of them. And they were ticked that he did something on the Sabbath. And now who's this man that lets you walk? You shouldn't be walking. You should wait till Monday till you walk. Are you kidding me? They weren't even aware that there'd been a miraculous move of God. They cared more about the distraction of breaking the law. How many times have you walked away? Ticked that the music was loud. Yet someone got saved. I leave the parking lot mad because the bass was too. And there was this kid who a mama had been praying for for hundreds of months. Saved. And you were there and weren't even aware that God was. How many of you have, have, have come and there's been a miraculous move of God at Grace Community Church and you are still tick sitting in the service because the parking attendant sent you from there to way over there. And God moved in a powerful way. How many of you are ticked because the pastor wears shorts? Seriously. And someone was radically saved. Someone asked me one time, I can't believe you. Why do you wear shorts, Pastor Jim? And I said, because it's hot outside. May we never... I mean, this is all my heart. I mean, we never be these Jewish leaders who are sitting in a moment where God is miraculously moving. And someone is saved and a healing takes place and we are so distracted because they did it on a Saturday. May you never be those Christ followers. May we never be the church that loses sight of a God moment. He was, well, he was in his running shoes and his Nike shirt. He just excited. Like, can you imagine? He's like, they want to talk to me. And the voice and the question they ask, why are you carrying your mat? It's the Sabbath. Are you kidding me? Listen, are you that person? Look how it ends. Verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away. And later Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. See, I know, I know human beings, some of you are ticked because someone on stage got a mohawk. Like, are you kidding me? Or they got a tattoo on their arm. Are you kidding me? You get ticked and don't sing. And 
someone get saved. Are you kidding me? You're no better off than the Jewish leaders. These men ought to be saying, he hasn't walked for 38 years. All praise to Jesus. So where do we go from here? Let me ask you some questions. What false assumptions are you believing that is keeping a miracle from coming your way? What step of obedience do you need to take? Or where do you need to just take a step of faith instead of sitting in the same spot? What security blanket do you need to remove? How about this? Where do you just need to grab a bat? Get back in the games of today's the day. It's been seven straight times, Lord, but I still believe. Do it again. Come on, big boy, throw me the pitch. We're going yard today. Where do you need to get a second opinion from the great physician instead of some friends who are giving you false assumptions about your marriage, about your predicament, about your sickness, about your future? Maybe you need to change your friends because bad company corrupts good character. What superstition are you practicing that has invoked the hand of the enemy and revoked the power of the king of kings and lord of lords? Your hat, your couch, and your clothes in the third baseline in a pool of water won't perform a miracle. Jesus will. You see, if you assume no, then you never give God a chance. I always want our faith to keep us swinging for the fences. Listen, I want you to have a pair of shoes in your closet. I want you to carry your bat everywhere you go. I want you to pick up your mat and walk. The promise still stands. Jesus can make the impossible possible. And he can do it for you. Lord, help us today. God, Holy Spirit, convict us. Search our hearts and see if there's any sin in us. Any false assumptions and lies and behaviors and superstition and lack of obedience or bad patterns. God, wake us up. Surely the Lord was there and they didn't even know it. May we never be those people. Lord, may we know that great is your faithfulness and that you can do it again. Your promise still stands true today. In Jesus' name, amen.